And hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Will we start that again? I think we probably should. That didn't take long to break down. Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast, episode 9. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sean. I think the first thing I'm going to kick off with is uh, the recent Grand Prix in Long Beach in America. Yeah, because since we were last on, there's been a whole load of fencing action, all at juniors and cadets, because mm-hmm. the various zonal, Tons. zonal junior and cadet championships are moving on. But in fact, it's, it's one of those ones where there's so much fencing, it's actually almost impossible for us to cover it. So we're not going to. However, don't be too disappointed, juniors, because we are going to do a preview for the uh, World Cadet and Junior Championships uh, a little later on. Yes. Uh, so the actual only senior action that's been going on since last time as you say, has been the Grand Prix at Foil uh, in Long Beach. So uh, you watched more of this than I did, actually. Uh, I've only caught up with the finals, so do you want to just kick off with that? Okay, well, uh, start with the men's, I think. It was it was absolutely awesome, to be fair. The final four were top four in the world rankings at the yeah, moment. Yeah. That hardly ever happens. You know, one or other of the, mm-hmm. uh, the top few seeds are usually going to fall by the wayside uh, well before the finals, uh, but not today. Everyone was there. It's a Grand Prix... Tons of points, uh, including the return of Britain's James Davis, uh, yes. making his his return to action uh, after after injury layoff, and we'll hear a little bit more from from him later on. So yeah. uh, he he didn't have a, a brilliant weekend. Uh, he's because he's missed a bit of the season. He dropped out of the top sixteen, so had to fence in the pools. Just about scraped through that. Um, presumably a bit rusty, having not competed for best part of what seven months, something like that. Yeah, um, but. Made a good run through the preliminary Ds uh, before eventually being edged out 15-14 in the last 64 by Timur Safin of Russia. Yes. Um, so not a whole, whole load of points and probably as a result he might look at it as being maybe a little disappointing but actually quite a good return to form and it's a first outing, mm-hmm. um, a good showing. Other notable casualties early on, uh, Peter Jopic who yes. won the previous World Cup in Bonn um, straight into 64. So uh, an up and down kind of season for for Jopic and you know a, a down part in this one. Yes. So anyway, cut, cut a long story short, get down to the final four. Mm-hmm. As I said, one, two, three, and four in the world, all there. Alex Masialis, Timur Safin of Russian mm-hmm. Russia, uh, Daniel Igorotso, Olympic champion, yes. and Giorgio Avila also of Italy. Yes. Uh, so the matchup in the semi-finals was uh, Safin against Avila and Masialis against Igorotso, and they were two tremendous fights. Yeah, I thought uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, the two semi-finals and the final really captured pretty much the the very best of men's foil at the moment. Mm-hmm. It was uh, everything you want to see. Yeah, absolutely, I, I loved it. You know, um, so semi-final. Um, Which one we're going to talk about first? Because I've, I've seen these, so okay, I've got quite a lot to say about them. Excellent. Oh well, um, well, since I've been blabbing on for a bit, um, give us your thoughts. Well. I mean, we've been saying over the last couple of episodes that we think the FIU are heading in the right direction, and they are. So mm-hmm. the Grand Prix are all broadcast, uh, you know, live uh, via YouTube. But I feel like I'm the only person that was being driven mad by the sound quality at Long Beach. Uh, you weren't the only one. I was, but it was pretty annoying because something would happen on the telly, you'd hear something different through, from the commentators, and clearly something had also happened in the hall, and it wasn't synced up at all. So yep. occasionally a hit would happen, and I wasn't sure if to hit. I'd missed the hit, if I'd blinked and missed it, mm-hmm. something would happen, and then something else would happen on the screen, and then the commentators would speak. And I don't think 
and this is just the tip of the iceberg, I think, for some of the technical problems that there were at Long Beach. Uh, then there was the hour-long break because the lights broke. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right, the the sound quality was... And it's ironic coming from us that we should complain about the sound quality, but um, it was properly terrible. Oh, no, no, the sound quality was fine. It was just out of sync with the video. <laughs> well, that's... Is that better or worse? Uh, it's wor- it's way worse. It drove me mad. Absolutely mad. Okay, yeah. And then having... Well, I wasn't quite there. It was about a 45-minute break when um, right. they, had a, they had a power cut in the venue, mm-hmm. um, which, obviously, the organisers and the FIE can't do very much about, but, uh, yeah, it was... It was very. It was unfortunate because it had a massive impact on the particular semi, which I'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. That was happening at the time. I thought, on top of the sound and audio problems, nobody edited the video stream, so you basically got a dump of the live feed straight onto YouTube. Yeah, nobody thought to go in and resync the audio and chop out the horrible bit where there was no light, which means that the presentation left for uh, you know uh, archaeologists in the future. <laughs> You know, it's not going to be a great experience for them. They're going to have to do what I did, which is try and find the bit where the fencing started again and, you know, make head or tail of whatever whatever was going on with the audio at the same time. Actually, the audio was cleaned up towards the end, I noticed. I noticed so it suddenly snapped. Finally into, got the hang of it. Yeah, but... Sort of three quarters of the way through. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, that bit drove me a bit mad. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Onto the fencing. <laughs> Please. Yeah. So, the interesting one there was the... Well, the first interesting thing was this Timur Safin versus... In the, in the semis, he was uh, Georgia Avola. Yeah, Avola. Now, obviously, I'm a big fan of Avola, and you're a big fan of Safin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he looked, I thought Safin looked amazing. He'd obviously had a great day anyway, looking at just looking through his results to get up there. But the uh, it was very, 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 very close all the way through. I thought, and you could just sort of feel the tension in both fencers because mm-hmm. the referee was made, the referee who whose name has just escaped me. Uh, was having to make very close calls, and that resulted in some interesting, interesting things happening in the video replay. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of video reviews in the fight, and the fact that there are a lot of uh, video reviews means that a lot of the, the video reviews have been successful, which mm-hmm. means basically your referees got it wrong in the first place. Yeah. It does it does slow up the fight, and particularly here where the the laptop they were using for the video reviews was miles away from the piece, so the referee oh, had to wander yeah. off into the crowd to have a look at what was going on. Which looked bizarre. That's another thing. It was a bit looked a bit bizarre that the referee had to basically go and you know crowd surf to get to the video the <laughs> yeah. video review. And the referee has left the building. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Uh, maybe maybe we're being picky with these things, but yeah, it was a, another unwelcome disruption. Yeah, it's probably going to make us not very popular. <laughs> for saying that, but I mean, when you looked at looked at Turin, looked how well that was presented. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that was just fantastic start to finish. Turin was great. Um, Cancun was well, also great. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, and then to have this happen. I mean, it wasn't all their fault. Clearly, it wasn't. But oh. anyway. right, Gav, 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 enough, enough grumbling. Talk about the fencing. Fencing yeah. was great. Yeah, the fencing was great, and you know, I love, I love the way that uh, Avola moves. I've always loved. It. I love the sense of timing, mm-hmm. sense of you know, feeling the blade. He's one of these people who seems to have that kind of. Uh, He's sort of almost telepathic. He knows when he's got the blade. He knows he can he can hit with it, or he knows roughly. He just seems to know what the opponent's going to do. But the interesting thing here was that Safin had the same ability, so it was kind of like they were neutralizing each other. I don't think in their early periods either one of them was really stamping their dominance on the fight. No, it was it was evenly matched, and yep. nobody got got away with the fight, and you know got no. established any sort of lead. And it was just a couple of hits where Timmer decided that he was going to take this hit. This mm-hmm. is his hit. He was going to have it now, and those are the ones that would decide. And obviously, he won that. So, yeah, I mean, I think for for all that fairly close in in the world rankings, Aval at four, uh, Safin at two. Mm-hmm. If you look at the records, they're very different. Safin's only been in the Russian team for a couple of years, uh, but he wins things. 
Whereas Avila has won no World Cups and no Grand Prix, and he's now 27 years old. But he's very consistently always at the top end, just whatever it is he's... He just... is, doesn't... Mm. Can't, can't clinch the deal, though. And that's a, that's a worry when that's... You know, he's he's had a, a senior career that's lasted seven or eight years now. Right. And that's that's starting to look a bit embarrassing. You think it's embarrassing? Well, you would think... Well, if you look down, down the world ranking list at the moment, <clears throat> at all the other people who are there mm-hmm. who have won things, some of whom have won... A lot of things. He's still he's still right at the top. I mean, yeah. uh, anyway, I like a wee of all offences. So do I, but I would not take even the smallest wager <laughs> on him on him winning. Well, we, uh, we, we winning things. I think we've talked about this before that Avola needs to do whatever he is he needs to do before he gets much older. Yeah, you know, he needs to find a new coach. He needs to change the way that he's training. That will probably what he needs to. You know, that will get him over this little hump that he's in. Hmm. You know, I know I know we're saying it's like a seven year hump, but it's still <laughs> it's, a hump. It's a lengthy, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I really enjoyed that particular semi. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, really good. And then in the other one, you had uh, you had uh, Marcialis versus oh, uh, Gorotso. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was another good one. Uh. Yeah, it was uh, quite different. I mean, Safin and Avalar are both both quite technical fencers. Mm-hmm. Gorotso um, and Marcialis probably simpler in the fencing, less less in the way of yeah. beautiful blade work. It's all down to uh, tremendous timing and mm-hmm. and. Particularly in Marcellus's case, uh, really smart tactical application, and, yeah. and in this one, uh, Alex won out fairly comfortably, and I think it was fifty nine or so. Yeah, and that's the replay of the gold medal for the Olympics, isn't it? Yes. So with the result reversed, mm-hmm. um, and again, Marcellus found found the solution to this. Yeah. Um, super slow preparation, very mm-hmm. difficult to to pick the moment to to go into it or try to try to draw the attack. Mm-hmm. Basically, in the end, Marcellus let him make the attack and then disappeared behind his own own front arm with a, a kind of blocking yeah. blocking turning counter attack. He yeah. must have hit with half a dozen of those, I think. Yeah. And you uh, can see the frustration coming in with Garozzo. You yeah. can just see he was frustrated. He's had just... that kind of frustration with um Masayas before. Um what used to bother him is that he would have the same sort of super slow preparation. Mm-hmm. Masayas would wait for the time to start, stretch out his arm as far as he possibly mm-hmm. could, pick him off and then disappear off backwards. And, and at that point, that's probably two or three years ago, mm-hmm. Grotso wasn't quite as quick as he is now yeah. and couldn't quite reach him. And, yeah. and you could see him going going nuts with that. Yeah. I, can't, I can't get to him. Uh, Alex Fenn's always looked like he's kind of exploiting something. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> something about it. Well, I said this about Sally in the past, but it kind of it looks more, more sort of apparent in mass analysis. It's just the way that he sort of holds his hand back. And it sort of hides the fact that he's about to do an attack. He sort of sets it up really well, I think. Gets into the distance and then the hand comes forward and you just think, oh, don't jump on the point. Oh, you jumped on the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, there's a, a proper fencing fencing smart about uh, yeah about yeah. him. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't... He's not my favourite fencer to watch. I mean, st- st- stylistically, no. he's not he's not entirely my cup of tea. But I like the fact that he's super resilient, he won't give up, mm-hmm. and he's smart. Yeah. And those are two really important qualities. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I actually prefer the Garotz offences. I think Garotz is great to watch. It's a, it's a visual treat, yes. Yeah, it's a visual. It's, it's lovely yeah. to watch. I mean, it all works. Offenses. It looks great. Yeah. But again, like Avila, although he's Olympic champion, <laughs> he isn't all, he's not yeah. won anything else. Yeah. Well. <laughs> it's, uh, more, more excuse in Garotz's case, and he's a bit younger, and he's only yeah. sort of 24. But yeah, uh, I find it curious that uh, you know two of, our, two of our top guys, both Italians, curiously enough, mm-hmm. don't win very much. I mean, I suppose you could say, well, Olympics is not bad, but... <laughs> I'll take the Olympics. Yes, yeah. You know, well, if, if you're going you, 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 to pick one, yeah, yeah I suppose that would be it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just thought that was a bit curious. So anyway, on to, on to the final. Uh, a repeat of the final in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, where 
Masayalas uh, fought back from yeah, a few hits down. I think he was 14-12 down in the final of Paris. Yeah, much closer to Paris, but not so much this time. No, Safan had clearly picked his tactics right from the start. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to go backwards. So no, he spent no. all over him. Uh, yeah. You know, and you could see the plan. And it was executed yes, it was. perfectly. It was absolutely perfect. On guard ready, steady, go. Yeah, go, and, and then that was it. Safin was, was going to go and try and hit him. Yeah. Because yeah. any time he did go backwards, uh, Masayalas hit him. Yeah. So his so only option was... <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, something to positively reinforce your, your preferred tactics. That that works quite well. I'll mm-hmm. go backwards, I get hit. I'll go forward, I'm going to get hit. So and I thought, let's go forward. I mean, that, we were seeing this off before this. I thought Safin looked absolutely amazing against Masayalas. He was Masayalas. so sharp. It was yeah. unbelievable. The sense he's... Yeah, it was so fast off the blocks. He didn't pick the tactics. He was picking the right move. Yeah. Again, Alex looked a little bit flustered. Actually, I thought he did. Like, oh my god, what what did I do about this? You know, but yeah, I think he'd be ready for the next Titan though. I mean, they're going to watch that again, aren't they? Yeah. Go. Hmm. That that didn't look so good. Uh, But yeah, it was a tremendous fencing from from Safin. I I really enjoyed it. Here's the thing: if you if you're Greg, right? You know, you're obviously coaching your son on from side of the piece there, and you're in this situation where. Your opposing fences obviously picked a set of tactics like that that are working an absolute treat, mm-hmm. and they're on form. What, what do you say? There, there's a question, isn't it? What would you say to them? You're like, how would you change this one up? You can, well, I suppose you can. Do, I mean, I suppose what happened that slightly surprised me was that uh, Safin caught Masayalas um, still on his own guard line. Yeah, loads of times, absolutely um, loads. Even even right towards the end of the fight, mm-hmm. once the, once the sort of tactic was was clear. So rather than getting out there and giving himself a bit more time to yeah. actually uh, spot what was going on, he was he was kind of caught on the on the on guard line too too often like, my taste. But, but it was like, but, well, exactly. It was a bit like Safin was so fast off the block that he didn't even have time to sort of register he was being hit. You could see quite often that he was sort of reacting after the fact and Safin hit him, but mm. too late to do anything. I, I might have said to him. Don't think about it. You take a step back. Yes. Get out of there. Just get out of there. Give yourself a bit. Of, give yourself some. Uh, just a breath of room, just to get in there and do something. I don't know. Yeah. Tricky uh, one though, because Safin was way was really on form. So yeah, he was. It'd be interesting to see when they meet, meet up again, because I'm I'm sure we won't have long to to wait for that one. I'm sure they'll be well prepped. It does. It does look like uh, they those are the two top guns. I mean, they're one and two in the mm-hmm. in the rankings at the moment. It's good uh, stuff anyway. And so. that does look like being a. Uh, a serious long-term rivalry that we can we can look forward to over a, a number of years. With glee, rubbing yeah, hands. exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a sort of match-up and uh, rivalry that that kind of enlivens sports. You know, in almost yeah. any sport, we oh, have, exactly. have two guys at the top of their game mm-hmm. um, fighting it out to for the top spot. So yeah, that was, so that was men's. It was great. Let's take it to the women's then. Yep, absolutely. I can't remember. Was it was one of the semis, wasn't it? That was blighted in the women's with the lighting incident. Yes, um, it was the. It was Arigo versus Derek. No, not Derek. No, the other one. The um, other Russian. The other yeah. one. Uh, Marty. Martinova. That's the one. Yeah, the quite an even fight for most of the way through. Arigo uh, got a bit of a lead early on. Yeah. Uh, Martinova clawed away back into it, and then the lights went out. At, it was quite well into the fight. Well, Martinova was quite had far into lead, so yeah. what thirteen eleven up something like that. It was close to the finish. Fourteen twelve, I think. Fourteen twelve, right? So it was only one hit to go at the end. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, she was in the lead, but she was didn't look uncomfortable in the lead either. Even though Arrigo had managed to bring her back a little bit, it was it, it was a foregone conclusion in my mind. She just looked like she was getting beat. Yes, and it was only th- this was her moment. <laughs> the lights go out. It was a good moment for her to sit down with her coach and have a chat. Yeah. 
uh, relax a little bit, have a you know a cup of tea, whatever it was was required <laughs> at the moment, and then come back in. I, I I did wonder whether or not she would just come out and hit it, like just be all over her opponent. Mm-hmm. Looked like it was going to be that way in the first hit. Yeah, because I, as I remember, she just came out of the blocks and hit her, and I thought, oh, here we go. This is normal, normal be, services be resumed. Not, yeah. yeah, and then the Russian just picked her off, and that Finished was that. Off, yeah, um, I mean, I thought it was a curiously uh, flat performance uh, from. From Ariana Rico. I thought she was tired, if I'm honest. Yeah, that, that crossed my mind as well. That maybe the uh, the workload of uh, fencing a few weapons. Uh, I mean, basically after uh, after Long Beach, she's headed straight off to, to China for a Women's Sabre World Cup. Uh, she's been ill as well. Don't forget, she's been ill, and then she's got another uh, Sabre Grand Prix the weekend after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm wondering if at, at this stage in the season, we're sort of fairly well, mm-hmm. fairly well through it, that she's maybe thinking this is this is hard work, and mm-hmm. uh, um, it's it's not. It's not going to be possible to to pursue this sort of twin twin weapon ambition. I still want it to happen, though. I do, I do, but I yeah. think uh, the the reality of how hard it's going to be is, is maybe mm. maybe start to strike home. Uh, but I mean, still, it's not a disastrous result. No, no, not uh, at all. A, it's another yet another World Cup medal. <laughs> uh, it's another Grand Prix medal to add to our collection of yeah, her however cabinet. many. I don't yeah. know what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, so other semi final, the Kiefer, mm-hmm. uh, one of the last. Uh, Grand Prix in Turin uh, against Olympic champion Derek Lozova. Yes, that's right. Uh, and again, not a comfortable win for, for Lee Kiefer. She's the she's looking good. Foreign fencer, having toughed over Erigo in, in Turin, mm-hmm. she made the Olympic champion uh, Derek Lozova look quite slow. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. She looked really slow compared to Lee Kiefer. Yeah. I love, I, I've got to be honest, I quite love the way Lee Kiefer moves. That yeah. sort of flowing movement that she's got where she steps in, she steps back. The sense of timing where uh, she does she does this sort of it's really nice where she draws her opponent in with this big movement back and then mm. wallop hits them like a train yeah. essentially. Caught Derek Zola with oh uh, a ton of those uh, an absolute ton and Derek Zola looked a little bit confused like she, uh, she didn't know what to do here she, there was something she wasn't firing on all, all nothing was happening again there. it's one of one of those things well a bit like um, the difficulties that Grotzo had with you know going for the attack and you know the t- suddenly the target disappears yeah uh, had the same sort of thing. Where something happens again and again and mm-hmm. again, and you're sitting there watching, and you think, surely, surely she's going to work out that that's that keeps happening. So you've got to change something. But you know yourself, you don't always see it. No, it's exactly. yeah, you, it's easy to be smart sitting inside yeah. the piece, especially when you watch the fight, you know, two or three times, and I suppose that's what you have uh, your video analyst for to say, well, come and have a look at this, mm. and then you sit down and watch it and go, oh, did that again, didn't yeah. I? Um, but again, I'm sure the Russians are going to be analysing that fight to hell and back. Yes. And you, I don't think you'll see something quite as one-sided as that again. If, that, if, they, if they, those two match up again, I don't think it's going to be quite as one-sided. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll have come up with a solution to this. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, Lee Kiefer did get a lot of hits with that uh, attack on preparation, just spotting that moment's hesitation mm-hmm. from Derek Lozova. It was, it was actually, it wasn't, I mean, we're saying I love that sort of flown backwards and forwards movement that he has, but it wasn't, that wasn't the only way she was sitting there. If you know, no, it's, that's just what I was saying. Oh, right, is that what you're saying? There was some more to it than, you know, just one one hit. Yeah, there was a, the variation in the timing was really good, I thought, because she was, she put enough variation in there that it left Derek Lozova just guessing, I think. Yeah, in doubt. Exactly. Yeah. The whole time you could just see their face, oh, what, yeah, what's, what's, what's going to happen? Oh, one of those. Oh, yeah. Rubbish. yeah, it didn't yeah. seem coming. It was really good. I, you know, I thought it was a phenomenal performance. Yeah, by, another very good performance. So that took us on to the final. Oh yes, what well, I was going to say. Um, since we're coming to the speaking about the cadets and juniors later, 
uh, Martinova, the the Russian previously largely inherited, yeah. because she is uh, very young. She's junior. That's right. She's not even a final year junior as well. So she's only about eighteen. Yeah, she looked very young. And her ranking, her senior ranking was what one hundred eighteen. Yeah, like that. Again. she didn't have a ranking essentially. So not far off it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and was, so, it, was it not, was it her or was it Dergozova one of them only fought American that, actually. To Americans on the way up and mm. put basically the entire American uh, team on the way yeah alright hold on just a second I'll see if I can actually mm-hmm. track that down yeah it was Dergozova that, that ran through half half the American squad on her way yeah. into the maybe that's uh, why she was looking a bit tired uh, maybe it's, oh, no. she put Nicole Ross out that's right she yeah. put out uh, Nicole Ross she beat out uh, Dubrovic she beat out Sabrina Masialis mm-hmm. Uh, and she put out Delphine DeVore in the 64 so yeah, yeah all all Americans until uh, finally their top one got her in the semi-finals yeah, well. <laughs> it's one, of them, one of them was bound to get her eventually yeah. Um, yeah. and then on to the final the final was a bit of a, an anti-climax it was pretty one-sided the Kiefer was all over and it was a bit of a thumping in the end well that's again that's that, that, that sort of variation the beautiful movement and clearly uh, her opponent didn't have didn't have a, you know an answer to it at all. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, there was literally nothing she could do. I mean, she would it be unfair to say she wasn't prepared for this? I don't know, but she didn't look like she was prepared for this. To me, she looked like somebody who suddenly kind of realised what was going on. She's been having better. a brilliant day up to that point. Yeah, and suddenly she's in a Grand Prix final at, at yeah. eighteen. She goes, "Oh my word, <laughs> what's going on here?" And, and Lee Kiefer's all over her, and the fight's yeah. and the fight's done in, in next to no time. Mm-hmm. A, a, a proper thumping. But I know. mean, you can see the the Russian coach was basically trying to keep her calm and say, "You know, you are," and you can kind of see that. Yeah, make the most of it. Yeah, yeah, make the most of it. Just go for it. And he was obviously trying to lead her through some tactics and stuff like that. But I think towards the end of the fight, when it was there was a Lee had one more point to get, and there was another minute break. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that the you know the coach was just saying to her, you know, when we go back out, you're just going to have to enjoy this. Just, yeah, we'll just get through this and talk about it later. Go on, you know. Anyway, I thought it was yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed the Grand Prix itself. What I saw of it, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously there was quite a lot of chat surrounding it all. And uh, it was good to see obviously our, our boys. Uh, running back again when I say that I mean James Davis obviously yes and Marcus and you've heard obviously us talk about this a lot so uh, I think we should hear directly from James what his thoughts were uh, after that so uh, here we go that's uh, that's James now alright James so how did you feel the competition went for you uh, competition was actually quite good it was nice to be back on the circuit uh, it's my first tournament back so I missed the first five five tournaments um, for me my goal was really to to make the second day that's what I wanted to say I wanted to see what my level was of course you know now just dipped out of the top 16 in the world so back in the pools um, I just wanted to see where I'd be and, and it wasn't a great start uh, only 2 and 4 in the pools but um, you know I made the most once I got to the DEs I knew this is what I'm good at this is my you know this is my bread and butter the, the DEs the direct uh, elimination and uh, I did it very well I had one I had a young uh Young Fence of America, one of the junior lads who's qualified for the World Championships. Um, and my experience sort of sh- showed there. Um, so I went through that one with ease. And then uh, onto my second one, which was actually with our sparring partner, Lavador from, from Spain. He was our sparring partner in, in Rio. And uh, it was a good bout. It was a close bout at the beginning. And I, I managed to just pull away a little bit. And it sort of gave me the edge as the bout, as the bout progressed. Um, but it was nice. It was nice to be fencing again and, and to make it through to the second day. Do you feel like uh, not having been in the in the pools for so long was a bit of a shock to the system? Um, I feel I feel. I feel like it was uh, not necessarily a shock because I I went in knowing 
what would happen, uh, knowing that I was in the pool. So for the past month, you know, I've, I've done the work on that, you know, on that happening. I thought I'd actually be lower in the rankings. And of course, every year, you know, I'm in the European Championships. Uh, so we have to do pools. But I think that there is definitely that difference, you know, that uh, sort of feeling that you don't have 15 touches to be ready. You know, sometimes it takes me a little longer than five touches to to win the bout. And I think these guys were, were definitely match ready for that. And, you know, they want to go out and prove a point against someone, you know, the top ranked fencer in the pools. So I had definitely had a, I had a strong pool and the guys were coming for me. Um, but I, I was prepared for it. I think it was more to do with, you know, I've only had, I've only had four lessons. Um, over the past over the past two weeks because I've only just come back, um, so I think things like accuracy was the the big reason as to why I was I was only only one two in the in the pools. Okay, and tell us a bit about your injury. So I was actually I was doing a conditioning session in San Francisco in the Golden Gate Park, and I unfortunately uh, I fell off my bike. I went flying over the handlebars, and uh, I separated my collarbone. So. Unfortunately, I had to have my my ligaments were torn, so I had to have surgery, and and uh, took six weeks for those to reattach. And you know, a little bit of Kevlar putting there. I'm the Bionic Man now, it's, so it's stronger than ever. Um, I've got full range of movement, which is good, you know. But I've got very skinny little chicken arms now. So over the next coming months, it's uh, sort of building up that strength and and getting that that upper body muscle uh, back, so that I'll be back to full fighting fitness. That's cool, and um, yeah, what I guess kind of what are your views, or does it really affect you so much going into a, a post WCP world, or how is it going to affect you in that sense? Yeah, I think so. I think some of the the points you'd mentioned um, they do affect me slightly, slightly different way. You know, I, I've I've been settled in America now. Um, I feel it's it's my home, um, and I have a lot of support there from both the club and and the parents that are there um but it is difficult you know i'm 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 fortunate that i know who my coaches are but i'm in the same position that when we go to tournaments you know my my one of my coaches of course being greg masiaras he's the u.s national coach so he he cannot coach me uh my other coach dean you know he's unable to to fly to all these tournaments so i'm on my own as well at these tournaments and that is definitely something new uh i feel like we've gone backwards 15 years to when we were when we were kids back in the Leon Paul Junior Series um, I think it's going to come down to you know we're all having to support each other and those kind of ways um, financially it's a, it's a huge burden on all of us I think um, for me you know I, I've got a lot of added costs being in America and being so far out on the west coast um, but you know it's something that I, I'm happy with where I want to be I know I want to continue fencing this is what I love so I will I will definitely be continuing uh regardless of you know whether we had funding or didn't have funding um now we move on to trying to find a way to support that cool and I guess for for like the younger generation looking through what what would you kind of say to them um like looking at what what the scenario is and everything because obviously like you give yourself self-talk yeah like, keep yourself motivated you're very like we're all very clear on where we want to go in the future and stuff um but for kids coming through and they see there's there's maybe not something in place for us as there was when what, two well, or three years ago yeah yeah I, um, I, because it's not so when we were younger it was the same there wasn't really anything in place it's that's the thing that's a, that's exactly where i was going to go with that it was basically that 
we came through, there was a big, strong group from the 1990, uh, 1990 and 1991 uh, generation. You know, yourself, me, Hussein, Peter, um, Reese Melia, all these guys, we we came through a very strong strong group and we didn't have any of the support network that was here now there was no uk sport funding back then you know the the biggest supporters i think still in most sports you know is mum and dad and and that's how we made it to where we are today um so i, I think for many of the the young kids um and probably for the their parents as well to realize that it's not it's not game over you know that that yes, you're you're going to have to foot the bill for a lot of this, um, but that's no different to what we did or what our parents did. Um, what I hope comes out of it is that you know the, the club system can be strong again, and and you know clubs can start to produce fences and keep their fences to help grow the next generation. Um, and I think you know that there is a future. They we will come through. We will be strong over the coming years. The the fear is, I suppose, is where they then go from there. But you know, for anyone starting now, that's ten years away. So, so much can change by then. You know, depending on sponsorship, depending on whether you know UK Sport looks at us in in you know five six years and says, you know what, actually that we have been successful at the next games. Um, we are showing again, once again, you know, hitting targets. We are progressing, and they might realise that you know we're we're worth a punt you know we're worth sponsoring or supporting um but i think for now it, it it's not something that parents or young kids looking to start the sport should be too worried about we we have support also from sport england um which is to help the grassroots and help the 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 youth up to up to the senior level so there is some support there um and i think you know it will always be mum and dad will always be there to to help them out yeah i guess it's important to to maybe restructure the way we've been doing things as well like n- maybe not be so dependent on other bodies and yeah. kind of make it more a self-generating entity um and if 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 we can learn from what mistakes we made over the past four or five years because the results have been good but there's obviously been some mistakes along the way yeah um which have had an impact so i think if we can learn from that it could be quite in the long run maybe quite a positive change it is it is i think that's that's always going to be, you know, for us now, I think we're looking for, you know, private sponsorship now. Um, and that sort of leads me on to one of the things that we were actually doing when we were um, after the event on, on Sunday yesterday. Um, you know, we're trying to build a more of a public profile of ourselves. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were up to with the FIE yesterday? Yeah, so it was, it's part, I guess, one of the main differences between the Grand Prix and the World Cup is that um, this season, over the nine Grand Prix events across the different weapons, the FIE are working with different athletes, raising their profiles and giving a taste of the city. Um, so we were lucky enough to go go around, kind of do a tour of LA, see Venice Beach, Muscle Beach, see the Hollywood sign, go down Hollywood Boulevard, um, all with the, the FIE, all kind of getting to know us a little bit better as athletes and, and getting to know the sport a little bit better in that sense, um, which is pretty cool, I think. Maybe you didn't enjoy getting beat by me so much in the games we played, but I'm uh, sure you had some fun as well. Excuse me, um, just for the record, who won the first trophy of the day? I did. No, I did. <laughs> Don't won. knock my mug. Okay, I didn't play against you. I won, I won the first trophy of the day, okay, yeah, which was fun. my mug. Okay, <laughs> It was a throwing game, and I, 
I excelled as it four <laughs> out of six. We'll Sorry. see when the, when the video comes out before <laughs> Shanghai. We'll we'll see how it all pans out. <laughs> but yeah, that like stuff like that. I think I'm sure will help us quite a lot as well, which is good. Um, I think so. I think for us, that that's what we're. It's sort of come at the right time for us. Um, it's an opportunity for us to sort of get more out there. I mean, also show. I think what they're trying to do is show a difference. You know, not just the the fencing image when we're out there when we're competing. You know, where nobody's talking to each other. You know, we're doing our job, yeah. and then they're trying to show the behind the scenes what we get up to in our own. You know, our own free time, what we're like as as just normal people, and uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was nice to sort of get to look around LA and see some of the stuff that. Um, you know, you only ever see in films. Yeah, no, that was definitely cool. Um, that was a good thing to do. Okay, wicked. Yeah, well, cool. thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, so we're here down in Long Beach, um, just catching up after the competition. Uh, I'm Marcus Mepstead. I'm James Davis. And yeah, let's get let's get going with some questions. All right, Marcus. So, why don't you tell me about your trip out to to America? Uh, yeah. So it was. I guess as, as most of you probably know, like the the program's ending in in Britain, and to be perfectly honest, it's probably not the most conducive environment. Not not great at the moment. Um, so it was nice to get to go and train a bit in San Francisco in the Masialis Foundation before the competition. Um, I was there for about a week, ten days before. With who? With James. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was that was nice. That was a nice, uh, if anything, just to get some headspace from the whole situation. Um, and just be in in uh, in quite a positive environment that that the M team have. Um, so yeah, that was good. So you you flew down to Long Beach on the Thursday. Yeah, I flew down before. Uh, um, how was it? What was Long Beach like? Uh, like LA is nice. Long Beach for me wasn't wasn't amazing. I didn't really get that much time to to check it out. So maybe I didn't find the best parts. But yeah, in, I guess in terms of competitions and stuff, it's it's not. I think San Jose might have been a slightly better setup and everything. But and you know, what about if we move on to the competition about the pools? How was that? Yeah, four and two. Yeah, the pools were okay. Um, I think I'm still finding my feet a little bit. Definitely, my target is is more Euros and Worlds this season, and just building up the pace as as I do these competitions. But yeah, I, I fenced okay. Well, you, do you feel you were as good as in Bonn? You were five and one in Bonn. You went straight through, didn't you? Or uh, no, you I had to th- fence, didn't you? In Bonn? Yeah, yeah, defence. Um, there was more people in Bonn, actually, ah, okay. than here. But uh, it was m- much of the same, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm still... I haven't got a coach. I'm still very much trying to work things out. Yeah. Um, find, yeah like I said, find my feet a little bit um, with what's going on. So, uh, I can't... Yeah, I guess I guess I can't really go in and, and expect quite yet to, to be set in the world of light with, with such a... I guess, what would you call the situation there? I don't know. Oh, it's... Just... It's a, with this such a different yeah. situation we're experiencing but you know like it's still it's taken my time maybe more than I'd like to kind of find what I'm doing like I'm heading off to to New York to train out there after this competition um, and work with a coach out there which I'm quite excited about so hopefully some things will come into place from that that's good I mean you you've been consistent I mean it's only your second tournament in but by the time through to 64 you drew quite a tough bout with a Chupinich top 16 fencer yeah someone that has come to Great Britain and trained a lot with Jemak and, and with you guys there. Um, so, when you tell us a little bit about the, how the bout went? Yeah, I just felt like for me the bout was was not very good actually. Um, it was my actions were too big, like didn't prepare it too well. Um, Is that just lack of lack of training, lack of coaching? 
Yeah, I think in part, I think, yeah, for me, I feel like uh, not having a coach is is having a bit of an impact, um, which is why I'm I'm looking at the moment. If anyone, if anyone wants to help, (laughs) (laughs) no, but um, yeah, I am. I think that in part, like Chubinic is, I think he's improved a bit, um, but he's still quite a difficult person to hit um, with his body movements and and the way he positions himself, and I think just that lack of accuracy really cost me quite a lot. But what's it like training with someone that you're? you're actually competing against now someone that you've trained with quite regularly because I mean yeah, for us it's not like we, we meet that often at tournaments no well to be fair like uh, it was more last year we were we were training with him quite a lot yeah Um, this time round he's come a few times but I haven't really been there because um, obviously I took a break after the, after the Olympics so it, we're going back like quite a long time but yeah cool but uh, so overall you think it's there's a lot to come really once you start yeah, for sure. coaching like, there you start settle down a little bit, see what happens with British fencing over the next few months. But there's definitely a lot of progression to to come for you. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, I'm um, definitely starting from from a, well, I guess for me, for how I see it as like a low level, and there's there's a lot of scope for me to to make that higher and higher, which is good and good. exciting. Yeah, brilliant. And as always, James sounds quite smart. He does. Um, first time we've had, I mean, obviously we've had uh, James on as our very first interview on the podcast. Um, it's nice to hear from Marcus as well. Uh, the two of them, yeah, not totally satisfied with the, the results, no. but both with uh, cause for optimism. And I like the fact they were both very positive about their uh, how they're facing up to life after the world, you know, the end of the world class program mm-hmm. uh, in British fencing. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. We've been kind of laying it on a bit thick that it's a bit doom and gloom. You were feeling a bit more positive to speak to Georgina, but not necessarily all bad. No, absolutely not. I mean, a, a real a real positive message as well from them I know that uh, Richard Cruz has again he's, he's also planning to continue mm-hmm. something to make, make some changes last, you know, it's, it's, last eight there yeah exactly another mm-hmm. another good performance finish fifth yeah. and actually I think Ben Pace has been the one who's come up with the sort of best summary for the, the approach for this for the, from the, the men's foil is mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the the most determined will find a way to continue. Yeah, which is what Georgina was saying as well. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, and obviously the thing, the, the sort of the notable thing for for James just before we move on with the result in Long Beach was the fact that it was uh, Safin that, that put him out, and it was close, very very close. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think there's a a lot of positives from to, yeah, yeah, to yeah I mean, the weekend. Granted, it was sixty four, but yeah, plenty plenty of encouragement. Mm-hmm. So anyway, enough the seniors, <laughs> juniors. Who cares about the seniors? Your moment has come. Yeah, finally, <laughs> finally, we're going to talk juniors. Yes, so. Uh, Reason for that: um, World Championships start on first of April. Mm-hmm. World Cadet and Junior Championships in Plovdiv in Bulgaria. Yes. So, Gav, what do you know about Plovdiv? Well, if it's anything like the, the European Championships, it's going to be held in the car park. Yes. Or a Soviet-era airport. Yeah. The venue for the European Cadet and Junior Championships wasn't the most inspiring looking. I have no. to say, uh, they may be able to dress it up a bit if it is being held in the same place for mm-hmm. the for the World Championships. But I mean, I've just been uh, having a good old go at uh, Long Beach. But let's face it, it wasn't presented particularly well for the Europeans. No. And they need to. If we're going to go on to the world stage, it needs to be done a little bit better. I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would agree. Um, so that's what you know about Plovdiv, is it? Pretty much. It's in Bulgaria. Yep, very good. Okay, any more? <laughs> I did look this up. Uh, they've got three stadiums in the city. Okay. And it dates back to... I think it's got very good Roman ruins, if I remember correctly. Okay, it's properly ancient now. Apparently, civilization there uh, since about 7,000 BC. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, one of the okay. one of the oldest cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Population, a bit over 300,000, I think it mm-hmm. is. I've never been to Bulgaria. I've got... I don't no, know. I've, I don't know very much about the place. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can remember, to be honest, mm-hmm. having, having looked at the Wikipedia page on, <laughs> on Plovdiv. Yeah. So yeah, on, on to the fencers. Uh, when I said we we're going to talk about cadets and juniors, that's 
only partially true, really, isn't it? Uh, because there are no uh, world rankings for the cadets. Yeah. Now we could do some wild speculation, and there are things like the European Cadet Circuit. You can mm-hmm. get some sort of a handle on who's who's strong, but not all the countries go to it. There's uh, nine events in each weapon. Not. Everyone goes to all of them. Some countries will go to two or three events. So it's very difficult to be sure that, you know, any yeah. sort of cadet ranking list is really terribly accurate or helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think rather than us trying to, to bluff it, I think it's probably fair to say that you can expect to see the usual suspects um, up there winning medals on a pretty regular basis yeah. here. Italy's Russia, USA, uh, France. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Koreans and Japanese are... Even harder to tell because the Japanese come over a bit to the European cadet circuit. Yes. Koreans really don't. Yes. Um, the Koreans don't seem to go very much at all, from what I can tell. But that's just from... Non-cadets and juniors, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah. Just just from looking around, they don't seem to be getting out much at all. So, um, And our, you know, we happen to know somebody who's been to a few uh, cadet A grades. And he said to me that he thought the Americans... Uh, look tremendous. The episode he'd seen. Yeah, certainly the ones where pretty much all the teams, so, you know, the Italians, Russians and Americans as the sort of three yeah. strongest squads, when they're all there, the Americans are generally coming out on top. So mm-hmm. I think they are probably looking forward to um, scooping a fair number of, number of medals in, in the episode of things. Yes. Uh, and he, he also did say that he thought the Japanese were amazing. Right. He'd actually seen, this, he, he's seen the Japanese. Amazing to watch or... Amazing to watch and just looked looked tremendous, he right. said. So, and, and as and as I'm a big fan of suddenly of uh, Japanese epic... <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> it fills my heart with joy. Or a little bit of sadness for our guys, but... Yeah, it's a, it's one of those things. Um, I've I've turned into a into a saber convert, and you find yourself a you know the world's newest uh, Japanese fencing fan. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's amazing what podcasting does to you. It's, uh, it's slightly worrying. Um, so yeah, uh, cadets. Who knows? I mean, looking forward to. It. I mean, every year that it's been been shown on on YouTube, it's it's brilliant to watch. I mean, the standards fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any notion if you haven't watched a lot of cadet or junior fencing of it's just kids. Uh, forget that. Tune in to watch it because you'll you'll be uh, delighted by it. So it's tremendous stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, juniors, we can offer a, a slightly more informed opinion about. Yes. Um, Although there is still a few kind of wild cards that are worth mentioning, I think as well. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, like you know, guys, we were talking about this. Uh, guys who are obviously got really good senior rankings, you don't have good junior ones. Ah, oh, some juniors yes. who might actually they don't appear to be on the surface to be that good, but. There might be something in them that we don't know about. This is what I'm, this is what I was getting at. Okay, yeah. When, as when we were talking about this, yeah. Sorry, that sounded very intriguing for a moment, but yeah, now I understand what you mean. <laughs> yeah. What is? I just put that too many words there. Yeah. You know. um, okay, so we'll start off with the men's foil because mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the one I follow most closely. Looking at the junior world rankings at the moment, uh, Bianchi of Italy is, is top of the world world rankings, but it would be a push to say that he's favourite. Um, again, this is one one of the ones where the the ranking list doesn't really tell the full story. No, uh, because. Uh, Almost certainly the favourite going into the World Championships for this um, is going to be Kalong Chung of Hong Kong, mm-hmm. whose uh, only junior event that he's fenced in this, this season has been the uh, Asian Zonal Championships, yes. uh, which he won. So he's down about 26th in the, in the junior rankings, yeah. but 7th in the seniors. However, it's, a, it's one where if he has any sort of an off day, there's loads of guys waiting in the wings. Uh, it's a strong Russian squad. The, the American four are all strong as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Tourette and Mollis have both won yep. uh, Junior World Cups this season. Um, who else have we got? Japanese. Uh, Shikini, who won it last year. Oh, uh, yes, that's right. It's still, He's still, it's still there. Yeah. The, the French squad looks pretty decent as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's one where you could pick any of a dozen mm-hmm. that, that could conceivably win it. So, I mean, that's probably the... 
the individual event I'm looking forward to the most to see who emerges out of that that scrum of potential winners yes. to, to take the title so that should be that should be excellent I'm totally wait on the women's side uh, again you've You've got a slightly false picture, probably from the from the rankings, because the the reigning world junior champion Sabrina Masialis hasn't done any junior events uh, since the world championships last right. year. Okay, um, but I think she's yeah she's either just outside or just in the top sixteen in the senior rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, she's probably going to go into this um, as the favourite. But again, there's strong faces in there. Uh, Germany's Leonie Ebert, who we've mentioned a few oh, times, yes. is, is top of the world rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so one of the one of the highlights or one of the things that German fencing has to look, to look forward to is her her continuing development. Behind her, three Russians, including Martinova, who we just talked about finishing second at the mm-hmm. at the Senior Grand Prix in in Long Beach. Karen Miyawaki as well from Japan. Again, oh, right, yeah. that we've mentioned a couple of times mm-hmm. this season, and and Julia Julia Valshek of, of Poland, uh, part right. of a very strong Polish Polish squad. So again, maybe a slightly smaller field of potential winners, but again, a lot of quality fencers in there. And mm-hmm. Again, that should be another another good one to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. See if uh, Massey can settle into to scrapping it out with juniors again after <laughs> after a, a season of focusing solely on on senior competitions. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to have a have a go at the table again. I'm, I'm going to profess my usual my usual sort of general level of ignorance. So I'll try my best. I promise you. But it's going to be quite easy to do, basically, uh, Russians. Oh, just Russians. Russians everywhere, yeah. Looking at the junior men's, uh, three of the top six are Russians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fanis Ferjani, who we mentioned earlier on when we had a look at the junior rankings, uh, is second in the, the junior rankings still, um, but his results are still a slightly motley right. collection of okay. um, a lot of points uh, collected from sometimes not very strong events. I mean, he has a few sort of decent decent results, but but not winning or meddling, really, at ones where everybody else gets to do Okay. Top Italian in third place in the ranking, uh, Leonardo Driosi uh, is a, a possibility. He's he's got some decent results, but um, if you were having to, to pick a country to produce the the world champion in junior men's saber, Russia would be where you put your okay. put your cash. Will Deary, Britain, uh, an outside possibility. Really, he's uh, he's medalled in junior World Cups this season. Okay, uh, went in the last sixteen at the European Juniors was. Perhaps a bit unlucky with a fifteen fourteen loss and some okay. uh, refereeing that even even made me squeak a bit. And if if he has a good day, yeah, certainly uh, certainly perfectly possible. So on to the women's who who are we looking for again here? Wanna have a guess? Yep, more Russians. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you get you're getting the hang of how how Sabre works at the moment mm. at, at junior level. Uh, for those who can't see the great radio you just heard there, that was uh, Sean's eyes boring. Basically, cutting with lasers <laughs> Russia into my forehead. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's how it works. Um, yes, yeah, Lana Shivaleva, uh, top of the yep. women's junior saber rankings. Uh, Lucia Lucarini of Italy in second. Mm-hmm. Um, again, she was somebody that mentioned earlier. She picked up a few cheap points by going to a, a competition that hardly anybody else went to and mm-hmm. winning it. But she has, you know, she has bad that with some pretty decent results <laughs> as well, um, where everyone else has been able to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olga Nikitina of Russia in third. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa Pushtai, who won. Yeah. Uh, of Hungary, who won the the European cadets, uh, so you know, very young fencer sitting mm-hmm. there in fourth, uh, and again looking at our uh, the sort of resurgence that we talked about in in Hungarian Hungarian fencing, uh, that's been very very encouraging to see. She actually got uh, I think medals in the maybe even silver medal in the juniors she's, uh, at the Europeans, and she's properly young, if I remember right. Uh, she is. Uh, I th- let me just check. Yeah, she's not even she's not even a final year cadet. Yeah, and. I can't remember who it was she fenced in the final of the Europeans, um, but she looked very young. I, th- I think it was Postikova. Oh, that's right. She was, was Postikova and she was uh, tiny. Absolutely yes. tiny compared to... 
yeah, uh, she looked, yeah, she looked like a kid, but a very, very good kid. Yeah. Um, so even if she doesn't produce results at this year's World Juniors, she's going to have another four years at having a go at it. Um, and, and, and growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah. just becoming a, a, a grown up fencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's, she's quite an exciting prospect in the, on the women's side. Outside of the, outside of that, we have, we have a Mexican, uh, appearing in the top, in sixth place. Yeah. Um, Toledo. Whose results have been well, yeah, perhaps predictably sort of gathered from slightly more exotic locations. She won the Pan American zonals uh, in the juniors, which gets her a big pile of points. And her results, apart from that, yeah, nothing, nothing that brilliant to be honest. Um, she came second at uh, Dormagen, though. No, she no? didn't. Went in sixty four in Dormagen. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> looking at our points, not yeah. results. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's again one of those things where. The world rankings aren't necessarily that that accurate a guide to. to. So uh, the men's epi then. So as usual, we're going to try and uh, you know cast the stones. Yeah, you know, pick, pick your winner out. Yeah, cast the I'm going gonna, gonna to wear the sorting hat and pick someone from <laughs> Gryffindor. Um, so we start just at the top. We're going to look at uh, the top ranked males uh, men's epi junior is uh, Valerio Cuomo. Of Italy. Now we've talked, we've mentioned in the past. He's got some good results over the uh, over the last year, but sort of in junior terms, uh, he got the silver last year, the yep. same event. Uh, but has recently got he he won Udin and he came got a bronze medal in Plovdiv. Right. So he is actually yeah, and he's actually quite good. Yeah. Because uh, you know we just had, we've talked about him before and other things. Yeah. What I remember was saying about him was that he had had a slightly slow start to the junior season. That's right. Uh, His results are not season, great, but obviously picked up with uh, meddling at the European Junior, so yeah. second form at the right time. Yeah. The Russians aren't as 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 apparent in this. I'd have a look at some of the Russians. Um, number two is actually Russian. Uh, he's a guy called uh, Georgi Bruev, who I'm actually struggling to place because I don't think we've mentioned him. I don't remember seeing his name. But I had a quick squint through his results, and he won the same. He won the uh, junior world last year, right? Okay. Which is so where his points are coming from. Okay, so he has got some form. Yes, and then his best result was uh, Espoo, which is Helsinki. Yeah, uh, he got a bronze medal there. I said that no medals. Oh, a mixture okay. of 30, 32s and 64s. Right, okay. So I think he's one of those places that are artificially high because of his results last year. But anyway, if we just sort of move down to some of the, the names that I think are worth mentioning, uh, we've got Federico Fismara, another Italian, obviously. Yep. We've mentioned him before. He's done great things elsewhere. Uh, but at number five, we have uh, Jakob Jurka of Czechia, uh, part of the Czechia team that we, we talked about yeah. uh, last time, was it? Yes, it was. It was the, last time. One of the, the teams in, in mm-hmm. Vancouver, yeah. the seniors. Yes, that's right. And uh, his results uh, in sort of junior terms, I mean, he's obviously he's fifth, so his results have been he's been okay yeah. throughout the year. Uh, he got a silver medal in Luxembourg, but interestingly, one Plovdiv. Ah, again. And he's young, isn't he? He's young. He's, he's uh, a young junior. Even. Yeah, he's a 99 birthday. Right. So he's very young. So... Quite an interesting guy to look out for yeah, there, so I think. I think, so, I think so, sort of making mm-hmm. rapid strides. Yeah. Probably hitting form at the right time as well. I think so. Uh, down at number seven, we've also got Cosimo Martini. No? Okay. No. no, we've mentioned him. I'm sure we have. Uh, but his results, I mentioned him because he hasn't got very many results, but his last three, he got uh, he got silver at Espoo, and then the last day it's Udin and Plovdiv. Okay. So he got fifth in both of those ones. Then outside of that, not very much. Two sixteens and a sixty-four berries. You got uh, yeah. Bratislav got the last sixteen. Right. So there's hints that this is a quality fencer. I'm yeah. sure we mentioned him in 
his, his birthday is he's a 97 though right so final year junior. final year and I'm pretty certain he's trotted out at least once for seniors alright okay uh, the name the name rings a big bell with me I, I don't have my notes to hand for that one but just below him is uh, in the ninth place is our man well my man Cocky <laughs> uh, Cano right he's, so, he's a junior yes yeah. so remember he didn't have a senior ranking at yeah. all but when, when when he went on his uh, winning streak there, mm-hmm. uh, he was already twelfth uh, at the time in the world juniors. Right. So he was kind of known in the world of junior fencing. Yeah. Even though we hadn't heard from him actually, I think that's another one that we we should keep an eye out for. Yeah, certainly looked very impressive, and I can't even remember which senior senior one it was, but um, was not. Yeah, I think it was. Heidenheim was not. Below him though, the other ones I want to keep an eye out for: Kentaro Muriyama. Okay, another Japanese. Another Japanese guy. His results aren't exactly spectacular. He hasn't done very many. Right. Uh, but they're all at very minimum last eight. So ah, okay. three results from last eights. And he bronze medal at Riga. Right. Uh, and then just below him, we've got one Korean. Now, his name is uh, J1... Sorry, I don't know if I've got his name right. J1 Jiong. He's done one tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's the Junior Asian Zonals, which uh-huh. he won. Right, okay. Well, that's a, a pretty impressive strike rate, certainly. Yeah. So he won that. Uh, so I think that's another interesting fencer. And sort of one of the names which I've not been able to find in the rankings, just sort of as I've been scanning through this, has been talking, has been uh, the, Hungar- the young Hungarian Koch. Oh, yes, Matty Koch, who finished yeah. third at uh, Heidenheim. It was Heidenheim. It was Heidenheim. Yeah. 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 So he's actually not in this ranking as far as I can find. Now, which means I need to go away and sort of find him. The top ranked Hung- Hungarian is uh, is actually number three, and that's Siklose. Oh, yes. Now he has won a couple of the junior world Yes, Cups he's won a couple of so, he's, yeah. he's definitely going to be somebody to look out for. But if Koch is still a junior, which you need to double check on, yeah, he definitely was because he was. He looked like a baby. 17, <laughs> yeah, I think he was only seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, and he had yeah, he was ranked seven millionth or something in, yeah. the, in the senior rankings yeah, when I'm, he finished finished third. I'm sure I remember looking him up at the time and saying, oh, "This guy doesn't even have a junior ranking. What's right. going on?" Uh, so I, he might be an outside prospect because you're sure that if he did that well, that the Hungarians are going to take a punt on him. You just know they are, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure how this sort of rigid uh, Hungarian selection. Policy is, you know, if they if they're sending full scores to junior world cups, uh, and using that as a basis for picking their team, and Koch has done nothing, and then he's got a kind of random pick uh, for a senior event and does something amazing, and they just go, well, forget the fact that you've done nothing in juniors, we're we're taking it to the worlds anyway. But you got to think so because he didn't. It wasn't just that he, he just randomly beat randoms on the way up. He properly yeah, he's been a sort of quality world champions and yeah, yeah. So anyway, Koch, if he turns up, he might be <laughs> he might be yeah. someone else. You know, yeah, a, proper, a proper wild card. Yeah, so yeah. you know, it's a Sunday, nothing better to do. Send them in. That's what happened last time. So if you look at the women's epi, it's sort of slightly harder to pick uh, the interesting ones out of the women's epi. Our number one at the moment is uh, Kotnikova, Arina right. Kotnikova of Russia. Now, the interesting thing about her is she's picked up some points from random places. So she won Mallet, which is in Israel. Oh, in Israel, yes, the one that mm-hmm. hardly anybody going to. That's right. Uh, and outside of that, her notable results were she got a bronze medal last year at the at the, at the Junior World Championship last year, Bruges. Right. And she also got a bronze medal in Burgos in Spain. Okay. So there are some results there, but outside of that, nothing too spectacular. It's all the last 16s and 32s. Right. So I think she's one of those ones that's writing a ranking, and I think it's actually number no, number two that we should be keeping an eye out for, and that's Federica Azzola. Uh, she's Italian. She's a 99 birthday. Okay, so so young, so, so young, first, first year junior. Yeah, yeah, uh, and her results are actually they're, they're better. I think more consistently better. Although her streak was earlier in the year. Okay, so she she got bronze in uh, Leipzig, won Bratislava, and she won uh, Dijon. 
but she only managed 32s and Plot, well, Plovdiv that's just gone, and, and uh, Udine as well. Okay. So, you know, it's difficult to think, but I think she might well be the one to keep an eye out for. Right. Being number two and actually having some really interesting results there. So if we just sort of flip down through them, uh, obviously we, we, like the, we like our Americans. We do. Uh, the top-ranked American is Catherine Nixon. Uh, she's number six in the in the, uh, the world at the moment. Uh, she hasn't done very much, though, but she did win uh, Espoo in, in Helsinki, and she's won uh, the Pan Americans. Right, okay. So, you know, she might be on form right now. Mm-hmm. So, there's the, 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 quite late in the season, wasn't it? Yeah, it's only, I'd have to look it up, it's only been like two weeks or something like that. So, right, okay, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, maybe a little longer than that. Yeah, well, uh, three or four weeks, because I think it's, it was before it's the, the last one before the, yeah. before the zonal championships. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, and then below them, we've, let's have a think, we've got uh, Inabrovko of Ukraine. Now, that's a name that, she's currently number nine. Now, that's a name that's familiar to me, and I can't quite put my, my finger on why. She hasn't done very many uh, junior results this year. She's actually, she's got a 97 berth, uh, but she did come second in Plovdiv. Right. So again, you might have somebody here who has some skill. But outside of that, she hasn't got anything particularly exciting in the last 16s and a 6 in Mallet in Israel. So, but right. she hasn't done very many juniors this year. She's only done five. Okay, so well, that uh, maybe various reasons for that. Yeah, she may be doing maybe doing more senior yeah. results, which maybe where her name's familiar from, mm. or she can't afford to do more, or she's studying. Yeah, um, I mean all the sort of things that we mentioned before with uh, the sort of challenges of doing a complete junior World Cup mm-hmm. um, season, cost, time, other things. Yeah. So, so the interesting, the, the other interesting fencer, which is maybe not quite so obvious when you look at the rankings, a little bit further down is uh, Tamara Nam of Hungary. Again, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her name because of the G, so it's G-N-A-M. Okay. Uh, but she was part of the the cadet team that beat the British team in the final. Oh, the European yes. uh, cadets? Yes. Right. Um, so she's uh, her, her junior results haven't been particularly good. She came second at Udine and she got a uh, last 16 plot of Right. And outside of that, it's like 16 33s, but but she's quite an interesting fencer from that cadet final, if I remember correctly. She's very young as well. Yeah. Her birthday is, uh, she's a 2000 birthday. She's very young. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that might be somebody else to look out for. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's anybody else I'm going to really sort, sort of pick out, if I'm honest. I think those are the sort of the interesting ones. I want, uh, to, want to keep an eye on yeah, for, yeah. for those watching the, mm-hmm. the World Juniors. Yep. Okay. So I think that about sums up for our, our preview of the. Cadet and Junior World Championships, yep. which, uh, as I said, are, are happening from the 1st to the 10th of April. Mm-hmm. There'll be loads of coverage on the FIE's YouTube channel, uh, and I would highly recommend tuning in for some of that, because the, the quality of fencing really is absolutely really immense. Right. And as I said in the blog, it's your chance to see the, the stars of the future before the stars, and it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. interesting for that alone. Yes, I agree. Other things to cover, the FIE's new video magazine. Um, I'm assuming that Quite a lot of people that are, are listening have seen it already. Apart from me. Uh, it's apart from you, strangely <laughs> enough. Yeah, for, for somebody who's got, uh, seems to cover the internet fencing wise and track down all sorts of weird little stories, uh, this is quite a big thing that seems to have entirely passed you by. But um, don't worry, I'll check it out. But yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another, another good bit of work, uh, really slightly presented, lots of nice little video clips. Uh, my, my only sort of quibble with it would be as a magazine, it was mainly focused on. Uh, the last round of of the Grand Prix. So mm. it was looking at, uh, now what were they? Turin uh, for foil, Cancun mm. for Sabre, and what was the epi one? Eidman? 
no, that's that's a World Cup run. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so you know, the mag- this video magazine came out last last week mm-hmm. uh, from from when we were we we're talking about it, uh, but covering events that are sort of three months old. And, and really, I, mean, I can't help feeling that the only place where it's acceptable to have a magazine that's that's three months old is like doctors' waiting rooms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it, while it looked beautiful, it seemed just kind of late in coming out. So I think they need to turn around a bit quicker. If they're, if they're planning to produce them covering the sort of Grand Prix events, yeah, they need to they need to turn it around quicker than that. I think for it to to keep its to like, keep like, its like I said about Long Beach. I mean, they're definitely heading in the right direction, but there's still a few rough edges that just need to be trimmed out. Yeah, uh, the turning around time on video editing and stuff like that, and doing the video editing maybe slightly slicker. You know, small things, but. Mm-hmm. It's going to improve the overall package. I think you know the guys that are involved in that sort of thing. They, they are getting there. I yeah, think. I really do think they are. I'm sure they'll listen to our feedback. <laughs> you don't think so? No. <laughs> no well, we've got the most important voices on the internet now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, that's curious. I've, I've noticed something when trolling through uh, FA YouTube channel and, and various other things like Fencing Vision that that do the live feeds. And it's something that Francis Chow mentioned as well, that how little fencers actually watch fencing. You know, other sports you get, you know, audiences of millions for, for various football games. It's a bit baffling. I was at a training weekend a couple of weekends ago and one of the coaches said he tried, we watched a little bit of uh, the cadets because it was on at the time mm-hmm. and uh, he said he was bored to tears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I said to Sita, I don't know if we were watching the same event because I, I didn't find that boring. It uh-huh. was interesting to me, you know. And I, I think to get to be good at fencing, you have to be interested in what fencing is, which means you have to watch it. Yeah. But I have endless difficulty in getting the youngsters to watch fencing. Yeah. I'm always telling them it's on, watch it. They never do. You know, yeah. Because looking at the numbers, you know, the number of views that various World Cups get, mm-hmm. even even the finals. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not talking some, uh, you know, six-hour stream of everything from the last sixty-four to down to the last eight on a single mm-hmm. piece. You know, a lot of them are only getting a couple of thousand views. And let's be fair, more people than that listen to us. Well, <laughs> what, what is going on? Well, it's because we've, we've got uh, the face for uh, face for radio. We do, I'm afraid, yeah. But the, the thing is, though, you have to produce quality content and then the people will come. So by getting on top of the quality content, which is what they're doing, it might take time, but eventually people will start to realise that it's, it's quite good. You see, you've got these initiatives, particularly in America with Red Bull, uh, you know, racing Bowden's a model. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other, some of the one of the women's Subarus is also a model. Monica, uh, Monica Samet, yeah. she's also a model. Uh, you, you see, these are people who are moving outside of fencing and are having kind of a visual presence mm-hmm. in the wider sort of wider culture. Uh, so, so these sort, of, the, the, so that it will come. It just might take a year or two for it to actually happen. But let's hope it happens before the Olympics, though. The yeah. next Olympics. To be fair, the number of views for for Long Beach was a lot better. I think it was. I mean that's only only happened a couple of days ago from yep. when we were, we we're talking about it, um, and I think it had about eight thousand views or something, which is again it's not huge numbers, but lots of Americans in the in, uh, the, in the event. Yeah, one uh, an American winner. Americans love that. Yeah, American, you know, there's Americans all over the place here in this one. Uh, they seem to be much more into the internet than say some other countries are. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think I'm not surprised. What's the other thing I wanted to mention? Oh yes, uh, thanks once again to our patrons, our supporters on Patreon. Again, mm-hmm. we're going to put the link on uh, on our show notes. Don't be afraid to click it because remember, only costs you a dollar a month to become a patron for mm-hmm. our lovely podcast. And and let's be honest, what do you get for a dollar? What a third of a cup of coffee or something? Yes. Yeah, and you know, by the time you get to that bottom third, it's probably not that nice in any case. Mm-hmm. So. Rather than wasting your your money on the the bottom third of a of a cup of coffee, 
invest it in us instead because uh, we'll be much more grateful than someone like Costa would be. <laughs> and we pay our taxes. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that about wraps it up for this one. Um, next time up, we'll probably be after the World Cadet and Juniors have happened, so we'll have, we'll have a wrap-up from that. We'll have a pretty talk about some actual things we can talk about mm-hmm. uh, there rather than just previewing it. Um, Sabre Grand Prix... Oh, hang on. So before that, um, Epi Grand Prix this coming weekend, yes, as we're right. recording uh, in Budapest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabre Grand Prix in Seoul uh, the weekend after Ooh, that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have lots and lots of fencing to talk about next time. Uh, but for this time, that's Thank us. You. Yeah. Thank you and good night. Indeed. Bye. Wait, wait, wait. There's more. I knew I'd forgotten something. Got to the end of recording the main part of the podcast. Went our separate ways, and the next day I thought, we haven't picked our coolest fencer on the planet. Uh, But thankfully, it's a really easy choice this time, uh, with her second Grand Prix win of the season, and becoming the first American to top the world rankings at women's foil. Our coolest fencer on the planet has to be Lee Kiefer. So congratulations, Lee. And that really is it now. Go on. Off you go. (laughs) 